All right, let's uh, turn to Ephesians chapter 2 and uh, I think the title of the message, as I recall, is One Body in Christ. And Janine came up with that title, so I give her credit, but uh, I think that's a good title because we're looking at the reconciliation into one body of the Jews and the Gentiles. And this is Paul's heart here. He's calling for oneness and unity in the church. And that's my prayer for this church because we're a diverse group. If you haven't noticed, there there are all sorts of us in here from different backgrounds and and, uh, different groups and so forth. And... uh, but uh, you can find division in the church as well, sadly to say, over uh, the color of the roof uh, and what have you. But uh, God does not uh, like that. He loves unity. He loves uh, uh, all of us to get along in Christ. And that's hard to do. It really is. I struggle with that myself. I have, I believe, grown a lot in that way. Uh, what I was 15, 20 years ago, God has shown me some things that I consider very precious that uh, really doesn't make any difference as far as loving the brethren is concerned. And So that's really what I want to talk about. You know, even denominations can be a separation. This denomination says, we've got it. Another denomination says, No, we've got it. We're better than you. We've got all the truth. Uh, We're not going to any other church except this tonight. And if that church is not in a city, we just don't go to church. That's sad, isn't it? It's extremely sad, but yet uh, we look down on people uh, many times for their different views on things. And all that is is pride. It's pride. We, We think we're thinking more of ourselves, but uh, so Paul tells the Gentiles here, and this is kind of review, to consider their past, uh, what they were. In verses 11 and 12, we looked at that, that it wasn't a suggestion, it was a command. And uh, so we, too, who are Gentiles, are hopeless without Christ. We're separated from God without Christ. Remember what the Talmud said. The Gentiles were created by God to be fuel for the fires of hell. So we can see how the Jews thought of the dogs, the Gentiles. It wasn't a very pretty picture. So you're talking about turmoil in a church is when you got those two groups together. And uh, it just is something that Paul wants to see cease. And it can cease. Uh, You know, it's really important uh, how in our own hearts... We think about other people. Uh, you, you can say, I'm sorry, I'm just that way, and I'm going to always be that way. And You better be careful about talking like that because God does not like that. 1 John 2, 9 through 11, the one who says he is in the light, that's in Christ, and yet hates his brother is in the darkness until now. The one who loves his brother abides in the light, and there is no curse or cause for stumbling in him. But the one who hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. When you say, I hate you, it's a pretty strong 
medicine. You better examine your heart uh, uh, because God is concerned. It's no small matter. It's no small matter uh, with God. And so there was hatred, real hatred between these two groups. And, uh, but now, we see this week, verse 13, but now. So let's begin reading uh, Ephesians 2, beginning in verse 13. But now, and I'll read through the end of the chapter. But now in Christ Jesus, you who formerly were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall by abolishing in his flesh the enmity, which is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so that in himself he might make the two into one new man, thus establishing peace, and might reconcile them both in one body, to God through the cross by it having put to death the enmity and he came and preached peace to you who were afar off and peace to those who were near for through him we both have our access in one spirit to the father so then you are no longer strangers and aliens but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. See, this is a spiritual warfare. Uh, We're in a building, but we have Christ in our temple, the body. And so, but we're all one body in Christ, one body in Christ. And so that fits in with the, with the title, one body in Christ. And uh, <clears throat> we see here in verse 13, he talks about uh, the blood, the blood of Christ. This is the instrument of change, uh, shedding of his blood uh, to make atonement for you. He paid for your sin. You've, your sins have been atoned for. Hebrews 9.22 <clears throat> And according to the law, one may almost say all things are cleansed with blood. And without shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. You're cleansed by the blood of Christ. The blood of Christ being shed for you is what saves you. You don't save yourself. The blood of Christ being shed on your behalf saves you. And it says in verse 7, remember back in chapter 1, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. It's all by grace. And, uh, <clears throat> but we're brought near by the blood of Christ, cleansing us from all sin. And that brings us near to God, but also near to one another. You see the correlation? If you say, well, I'm near to God, but you reject a brother, you hate your brother, then you're deceived. You're not walking in the light. And Paul is very strong here. He says, 
this has got to cease because you're one in Christ. Uh, and uh, I've been to Messianic churches where the Jews worship Christ together, and uh, the Spirit is there. They're real true believers. And there are also Gentiles who uh, go to these churches as well. Uh, and uh, it, it's just amazing to see what God is still doing today in some of the Jews' hearts, changing them. And uh, so our conversion is by uh, virtue of our union with Christ. It's all about him. It was at the cross where he shed his blood to make all groups, all ethnic groups, one new people. One new people. Not many peoples. Uh, The Jews don't have their program and the Christians have their program and it all points to God. No, we're one in Christ. You see, there are no two programs. It all is about Jesus. And if you reject Christ, then you're in trouble. And he wants wants them to know that. You must trust Christ. And uh, the hostilities, our dislikes, our hatred, our differences must be overpowered by the unifying blood of Christ. Let me ask you, have you been washed in the blood of Christ? Are you different? Have you been changed by the power of the gospel? This is not, I mean, this is serious stuff here. And if you don't know, I would pray that you'd get on your knees and come into my heart Become real to me. Help me to love people that are unlovely or whatever. I've come to that in my life at times and just say, God, forgive me. And he'll take it away. He'll take away that hatred. He'll take away bitterness and anger because he's done it in my life. And if he can do it in an old heart, uh, heart like mine, he can do it in anybody's heart. And not only that, we see Christ established peace between the two hostile factions. See that in verse 15 and also in verse 17. By dying for the sins of all believers, regardless of their ethnic culture. You see, he is He is our peace. He is our peace, he says. Isaiah 9, 6, And a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us. And the government will rest on his shoulders and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, the Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. He's the only one that can bring peace to the heart. There will never be peace in this world until Christ establishes that peace in their hearts. There will always be wars and rumors of wars. There can always be Palestinian and uh, Israeli battles until Christ comes again because it must come from God. Hebrews thirteen twenty. now the God of peace. See, he, is a, he is the one who brings peace, only one who brought up from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the eternal covenant, even Jesus our Lord.
Also, 1 Corinthians 14, 33. For God is not a God of confusion, but of what? See, when there's not peace in the church and amongst the people, it's not of God because God is not an author of confusion. He's the author of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. So this is extremely, extremely important. He brings real peace. He brings real peace. Luke 2.14, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among men with whom he is pleased. Peace, real peace, only he can bring it. Romans 15.13, how may the God of, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. See, the only way you can have peace is to be filled by God in believing Not by working harder, not by trying harder, but in believing so that you will abound in hope by, again we see, by the power of the Holy Spirit. It takes the power of the Holy Spirit to change you. You can't change yourself. You can't say, you know what, I hate that person, but I'm not going to do it anymore. And so you buck up and you find yourself hating that person still. Why? Because there's no power of the Holy Spirit. When the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you, it's radical. It was in my life, and it still is in my life. And uh, God is in the changing of heart business. And uh, I hope you have experienced that. Because you can be at peace with God, but also with your fellow man. That's a miracle. Because I know some people that are very hard to love. Frankly, it's impossible, humanly speaking. It's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And he'll do it in your heart. He'll do it in your heart. And uh, also by dying for the sins of all believers, regardless of their ethnic culture and religious background, he broke down, notice verse 14, broke down the middle wall of partition. The wall in the temple that uh, the Gentiles, they could go into a court, but there was a wall in that court, and they could not go beyond that wall. That was only for Jews. And if they did, there was a sign that said, at the peril of your life, pass this. But you know, that wall is gone. That wall is gone. Gone. Why Why do you rebuild it? We're good about building walls, putting up, you know, you don't believe this way, wall. Your pre-trib wall, your post-trib wall, your amil wall. And if you don't believe the way I do, I hate you because you're wrong and I'm right. Paul said, this has got to stop. This has got to stop. What do we do? We major on the minors and minor on the majors. That's what the Pharisees did. Jesus says you look good on the outside, but inside you're just corrupt. You're whitewashed tombs. He said it the best.
how did God do this? Notice in verse 15 it says, He abolished the enmity, the hatred in his flesh. By his being slain, he slew it. In his flesh, crucified and broken for our sins, Christ virtually broke down the enmity. It's gone. But we like to pick it up. That's our flesh. We need to be, live in the Spirit. Colossians 1, 21 and 22, a very similar passage in Colossians. It says, And although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds, yet he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. Colossians 2, 13 through 14. When you were dead in your transgressions and uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of degrees uh, decrees against us which was hostile to us and he has taken it out of the way having nailed it to the cross. It's nailed to the cross. What he's, Paul says very clearly here. Christ has abolished it so far as its condemning power is concerned. The ceremonial law, the, 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 all the sacrifices are gone. Aren't you glad of that, that you don't have to bring sacrifices this morning and, and everybody brings a, a lamb or something and we have to slaughter it? And I'm glad of that. But what did he substitute in the place of that? We have now the, the law of love, the spirit of the law inwardly because we have been changed inwardly. We're now one body. He has reconciled both unto God in one body. What is the resulting union? In verse 16, the gospel unites believers of every race in one body. That's one result. By the cross, one household of faith. Colossians one twenty. And through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace again through the blood of his cross. Through him, I say, where the things on earth are things in heaven. Colossians 3.15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in what? One body and be thankful. Put off all that other stuff. But believe. And remember who you are in Christ. You're one body. I hope everybody this morning, including myself, will let that really sink in deep. Another resulting union is, is found in verse 15. We're one new man. This one new man, of course, is, I believe, the body of Christ. Also in verse 18. Another result is one access by one spirit unto the Father. That's verse 18. One access. Who is that access? Jesus. What did Jesus say? 
I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. That's true of Jews and Gentiles, whoever you may be. There's only one access by one spirit unto the Father. Also, there is now one household of God. That's in verse 19. One household of God. Galatians 6.10. So then, while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who are the household of faith. So again, we find that. The foundation, we find out, is, is uh, uh, the apostles and the prophets. And a Christ, of course, in verse 20 is the cornerstone. This building, which is a spiritual building, is fitly framed together, verse 21. This structure regarded not as a static entity, but as a growing organism. Okay? It's a growing, it's, it's on the move, it's 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 vibrant you know and yet the church sad to say has become very stagnant we're not the salt of the earth the way we need to be we're not witnessing the way we should we're not uh, growing in the grace and knowledge of Christ which is what I'm going to speak on this afternoon but uh, It's a growing organism, verse 21. It is a holy sanctuary of the Lord, a noble edifice as one uh, where the Holy Spirit dwells. And that's what is in Ephesians 2. Now, really, each one of those items could be a whole sermon in itself. But uh, So, what what is Paul saying here? And how do we apply that to ourselves? I've spoken to that a little bit, but what is he saying? For one thing, everybody needs the gospel. Everybody needs Jesus. Without him, uh, you have nothing. There is no peace. There is no fruit of the spirit of joy and love. And then he says, uh, we need each other. We're one body. You know what? If, if, if we're one body... In, in Corinthians, it talks about this, and I've got another sermon on that, not next week, but we all have different functions within the body. Of course, Christ is the head, but you may be a little finger. But you know what? If you're not doing the little finger's job, the body suffers. You may be a little toe, but I guarantee you, try walking without a toe. It's not easy. The body needs the toe. Uh, and so that's what Paul is saying here. We're one body. And to function as one body, we need to be unified. The body's got to work together. When you take a hammer and you hit that thumb, the other thumb doesn't say, ha, ha, ha. That was really dumb, you know. No. What do you do? Immediately, you don't even have to say, this thumb doesn't say, come to my help. Would somebody please come to my no, what does this hand do? Oh, in the mouth, you know, whatever it takes to get that thumb feeling better. But what do we do? We shoot the wounded many times. 
They deserve that. And I have been guilty of that with a friend of mine. I said that about him who went off into drugs and I said, I knew he was a fake. I knew he wasn't any real. See, it's his fault. And I had to repent of that in front of him, be reconciled to him. We both wept in one another's arms. And that's a, a very powerful time in my life. And so, let me just ask you, who are you separated from and looked down on right now? What walls have you built? You know, I was watching this new film, uh, Ken Burns' film on Vietnam. And one of the uh, men in there said about the Viet Cong, he said, and I don't know if he used it in the press ten, uh, present tense or past tense, but he said, we hated them. We hated them for their atrocities. In World War II, the Japs were hated. The Germans were hated. Uh, if you're a Republican, you don't like Democrats very well. If you're a Democrat, you don't like Republicans very well. And I'm probably saying that... Uh, And sometimes that can be vicious, played out on the streets. And I mentioned last week, Auburn and Alabama. I know, I've, I know I'm not stomping toes here, but Auburn and Alabama fans need Jesus. Amen. <laughs> we need each other. We need the gospel. So what walls do you have that need tearing down? People should be drawn together, not by races, but by grace. We're not to be drawn together by race, but by grace. Grace is race with a G on it. I only love my kind. I only love white people. I only love black people. I only love whatever you may be. See, that's what Paul is talking about here. We're one in Christ. We're now one. There is no separation. There is no better than you or better than me or better than you are. No, we're one in Christ. What does Paul say? When you really have been changed by that power of the Holy Spirit, what are you going to say? I esteem others, all others, better than myself. Wow. Because Paul said, I'm the chief of sinners. I'm the chief of sinners. You say, no, Paul wasn't the chief. Well, that's what he thought of himself as. Because he knew how evil his heart really was. He could see himself even more clearly because he was close to Jesus. Let me ask you this. Is the Holy Spirit in you working powerfully to make you love more, to forgive more, to accept more, to esteem more? Ask yourself that question. You know, Ronald Reagan, who was a real leader, said to Gorbachev, 
Gorbachev, tear down this wall. And he did. May I ask you, what about the prejudice in your life, the hatred in your life? Brothers and sisters, they need to be torn down. They need to be torn down. And only Christ can do that, believing the gospel. Is there anything separating you from the Savior? We sing that song, nothing between me and the Savior. Is that, is that the case? You say, well, I want these walls to come down. Let me tell you how to do that. We have that picture here this morning. It's very beautiful picture we have. Very beautiful picture. We have this morning a feast. If you want your life to change, feast on Christ. Feast on Him. Is that not what Jesus said when he said, Truly, truly I say to them, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in yourselves. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, I live, live because of the Father. So he who eats me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread which came down out of heaven, not as the fathers ate, which was manna, and died. He who eats this bread will live forever. What is Jesus saying? What is he saying? Trust me, he says, completely and totally accept me. Let me change your life by the power of the Holy Spirit. What is he saying is take all of me. That's why when we take the elements, we take all of it. In other words, what you're saying is, Jesus, I want all of you, all of you, the good, the bad, all of you, Lord, everything in my life, may I see it from you and trust you and fix my eyes on Christ. We need Jesus. We need Jesus so much more than we can ever imagine or think. Because he is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father, he said, but by me. If the men would come forward at this time. So this morning, I want you, by faith, to feed on Christ as you take these elements, which is a visible visible sermon. 
of what Christ has done for us. We have here the uh, fruit of the vine, which is, of course, a picture of the blood of Christ that cleanses us from all of our sin. We have the bread, which is his body, which was broken for us. And we're told to do this remembering Christ. But it's not just to remember, but it's to remember and feed on, feast on, grow in Christ. Grow, grow in love for him. As you dwell upon these elements, you'll say, wow, Christ, you love a wretch like me. And when you do that, it'll cause you to love other people. That's the power of the gospel. When you really believe that, it humbles you. Christ humbled himself. This should humble us as well. Let's remember the words of Paul. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11 when he said, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus in the night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat and drink this bread, uh, eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's pray. Father, we come this morning with hearts that are full of thanksgiving. Because you have told us in everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So Lord, I just give you thanks this morning for this table, this demonstration of your love, that you died for sinners like me and all of us here. When we were dead in our trespasses and sin, you made us alive by the power of your Holy Spirit. And we just come this morning thanking you. Fill us with the love of Jesus. May we grow in our love for him. May we grow in the joy of the Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, as we partake these elements, may we just, in our heart of hearts, remember what this is all about. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Let me repeat, and by the way, when we partake of these elements, uh, hold them until we can take them together. And when he had given thanks, he broke it, that is the bread, and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Take, eat, the body of Christ broken for you. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me.
the blood of Christ shed for the remission of your sins. Drink you all of it. Father, again, as we partake together of these elements, Lord, we're reminded of the great love with which you love us. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Lord, we cannot even comprehend such unconditional love. But Lord, work in us by your mighty power to produce in us that same love. Uh, Lord, that we would love others as we love ourselves. So Lord, we need your power. We need your great grace in our lives. And so minister to us right now, Lord. Minister to us. In Jesus' name, amen.